Well, if we have not met before, my name is Bryce Holdman, as Jeff said, and I'm the middle school coordinator here at the church. I've been in that role since January of this year, and I've, lived every, I've loved every single moment and every single student that I've come in contact with. I've been really blessed by that um, opportunity. But before I go any further in this sermon, I want to recognize two people. They were both in that video, uh, Pastor Jeff and Trevor. They, they have meant uh, so much to, to me, and uh, frankly, I, I would not be on this stage. I would not be in the role that I'm in if it were not for those two people and how God's used them in my life. So, so Jeff was the first one that I reached out to when I felt like, hey, I might have a call to ministry on my life. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that looks like. And so I reached out to him, and I was at Newberry College at the time, and I, I drove back from Newberry one day after class, and I met with him here at the church, and he kind of just asked me to explain to him what I've been feeling, and uh, I, I didn't have much to tell him, but he prayed over me, and uh, he encouraged me, and even today, like opportunities like this, he, he continues to pour his whole self into me and so many others in this church. And then Pastor Trevor, who's in the, the auditorium right now, he was my youth pastor here growing up when I was in the youth ministry all throughout middle school and high school here at the church. And uh, he called me uh, to, to offer me an internship, actually, all of 2018. So it was my sophomore year. I was at Columbia International University, where I currently attend. And uh, at this time, I was actually thinking about leaving Mount Horeb uh, at, at this point in my journey. I had met with Jeff. I had heard from Jeff uh, what, what ministry were to look like. And then for some reason, I was feeling like, hey, maybe God has something for me elsewhere. And right around the same time I was thinking that, I got a phone call from Trevor, who I had not talked to uh, at all, really, um, much since my high school days. He called me and he said, hey, Bryce, I know we haven't talked much, but there's a year-long internship that's paid, it's here at the church, that I want you to do, because I think that it, it will give you a really good glimpse into what this ministry thing could hold for you. And so I prayed about it. He gave me like 48 hours, uh, total Trevor move, and, um, and <laughs> I prayed about it and I accepted it, and the rest is history. And so Trevor's in the other room right now, but Pastor Jeff is still in here. So I would love for us to just give him a round of applause for how he has faithfully led this entire congregation for over 25 years. And I know very, very well that he's impacted more than just my life. He's impacted probably every life in this room and every life not in this room um, all over this campus. And, and we are super, super grateful for both of them. Well, this morning... As Jeff mentioned, we're starting a new series called Throwing Shade. Now, this is probably a phrase that you may or actually may not have heard before. Uh, it's, it's a relatively new phrase, and in 2019, it's used pretty commonly. But I want to give you a very simple definition. It means to talk trash about someone or publicly denounce or disrespect them. You see, it's speaking in generalities, but with the intention of pointing it at another individual. Oftentimes we will say things, we'll tweet things, we'll post things on social media that steal the spotlight and leave us in the dark. Sometimes it's with an innocent heart, and then sometimes it's, it's with a hurtful heart that we do these things. And I believe God has given me a word to speak to all of us this morning about this act of throwing shade as we kick off our series. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to James 3. That's where we're going to be camping out this morning, James 3. Now, if you know anything about James, you probably know that James, the writer, does not necessarily sugarcoat anything that he says. He, he speaks his mind very clearly, which reflects God's heart very clearly regarding how he desires we live. So we're going to read James 3, verses 5 through 12. The words will be on the screens to my right and to my left, if you'd like to follow along that way. And here's what James says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the entire body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly, deadly poison. So, so far, James seems to be telling us pretty straight what he thinks about our tongue and how we use it. He's not playing any games with us, but this next verse, verse 9, convicts me every time I read it. Here's what it says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Now, every time I read this, I just have to kind of stop where I am for a second and just pause and, and reflect on what James is saying here. Because what James is saying here, if I'm reading this right, is the same tongue I just used to sing songs 10 minutes ago. The same tongue that I'm using to preach this message is the exact same tongue that I used last week when I said that hateful thing to my parents. It's the same tongue that, that I was using when I was in the middle of that conflict with my coworker. You see, James is not saying, whenever you're feeling good, whenever you come to church, use this tongue over here. And whenever you're not, whenever you're just feeling down and out and, and you just really want to hit somebody hard, with something hateful, use this tongue over here. No, 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 no. Instead, James is simply saying this is the same exact tongue that we're using in both scenarios, and it should not be. Let's keep reading. He says, out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This morning, I want to spend a few moments talking to you about how sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll use our words as weapons. We'll use our words as weapons. You see, we each have a little one-two punch within us. We have multiple weapons at our disposal, and if we are not careful, we will use our words to wound those around us. When we throw shade, we're often speaking ill of others in a way that is not always obvious. So often it comes out in conversations, in things on social media, and in one-on-one -on -one interactions as subtle jabs. We have to realize that our words are dangerous and are hard to tame. But we also have to be active in controlling that fire. Now, as far as throwing shade goes, there's four main ways that I want to highlight for us this morning that I believe are very prominent ways that we throw shade here in 2019. And even back in biblical times, as we're going to see, these were, were issues that were addressed as well. And the first of these is the sucker punch, gossip. Gossip. Now, a very simple definition for gossip is talking behind someone else's back. Talking behind someone else's back. Myself and Daniel Stevanis, the, the student ministry director here, we got invited back to journey camp a few weeks ago to teach uh, a little bit to, to the students there. And just to give you some background, Journey Camp is a Christian camp in Toccoa Falls, Georgia, that uh, our whole entire youth ministry team took about 56 high school and middle school students to uh, a few weeks prior. And so that entire week, we, we had worship every night. We heard a message every night. It was an incredible week. A lot of transformation happened in the leaders' and students' lives. But then myself and Daniel got invited back a few weeks later for week five of the event. And we were tasked with teaching uh, breakout sessions. Now, these breakout sessions, we didn't get to choose what topic we taught on. So I was assigned the topic of gossip. Now, immediately when I heard this on the ride there, I was kind of hesitant. I'd written everything down that I was going to say, but I was, I was kind of hesitant because gossip is not something 
that was a huge struggle for me in middle school and high school. It was something that, that definitely popped in and out of my mouth from time to time and in and out of my heart from time to time, but it wasn't a huge struggle for me. So I kind of felt like I was not in the place where I could give the best possible advice, biblical advice even, to these students that I was going to be teaching. I had no idea what to expect. But what I found out very clearly when I walked in, it was, it was kind of funny at first, but these students, they signed up for their own breakouts. And there were topics like doubt, worry, anxiety, things like that. But this whole room that I was in was full, probably 100 students, both days, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I was shocked. I didn't think there were going to be that many. But I walk in, this whole room is full of middle school girls. Like the entire room, it was absolutely mind-boggling. There were probably like five high schoolers and maybe like two or three dudes. Otherwise, it was like all middle school girls. So at first, I was laughing. I was like, this is kind of funny. But then I stepped back after I got done teaching. I was like, maybe God's trying to show me something. That even though this is not an issue, a huge issue for me and hasn't been growing up, what if it's a huge issue for certain people, for certain age groups, for, for certain people that I work with on a weekly basis as the middle school youth pastor here? And I had my mind and eyes wide open. I, I could not believe that God had showed me that. And it, it was absolutely mind-boggling to me. And you see, there's something about bringing others down behind their backs that allows me to feel lifted up sometimes. There's something that when I bring this person down, they don't have to know about it. But if I do it behind their back, I temporarily feel lifted up. Well, you see, I've witnessed the worst of the effects of gossip firsthand, and it is not pretty. But here's what Proverbs has to say about the subject in chapter 26. The writer says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. That's Proverbs 26, 20, and 22. Now, honestly, I've been on the giving and receiving end of that before, and in both cases, it doesn't feel very good. And when I talked to students a few weeks ago at Journey Camp, I, I brought it all back to this one question. What if all of our gossip originates from jealousy? What if all of our gossip originates from jealousy? What if the reason... I find so much pleasure in bringing someone down behind their back is because I'm jealous of where they are. I'm jealous of who they are. I'm jealous of what they have. I'm jealous of where they could be going. And you see, our second way of throwing shade is very similar to this one. I think it goes hand in hand, and that's criticism. Criticism. Now, I know that no one in this room is guilty of criticizing anyone, either to their face or behind their back. But I think even for my sake, I think we should talk about this a little bit. You see, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7, verse 3. Here's what he says. You've probably heard it before. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you yourself have a plank? Why do you look at the speck when you have a plank? You see, the criticism Jesus is talking about here is unfair criticism. It's unfair criticism. Often we are so quick to criticize the speck in someone else's eye without dealing with and completely neglecting the plank in our own. And here's what I've realized about planks is that it's really hard for someone to see the speck for what it is in my own eye if they're trying to look through the plank that's blocking their view and vice versa. We have to take care of that plank in our own eye like Jesus commands before we start pointing out the specks in others and therefore criticizing them in an unfair way. 
Now, you may have heard this phrase before, they hate you because they ain't you. It's a somewhat common phrase in South Carolina. Heard it all growing up. They hate you because they ain't you. You see, I believe God wants to take everyone in this room to a new level. I firmly believe that. And we did a whole sermon series on it a, a few weeks ago called Level Up. God wants to take you to a new level, but maybe, just maybe, he's asking you to sacrifice some things so that he can take you there. Maybe there's some things in your life, maybe there's some things even in the way we speak, like we're talking about today, that, that God is asking you to rid yourself of so that that void can be filled with he and he alone, so that he may take you where he wants to take you. But regardless of what that looks like for you, regardless of where God wants to take you, the truth that I've come to realize in my 21 years on this earth, not a very long time, is that regardless of where God wants to take me, I recognize there are people, there are certain people that don't want to see me get there. There are people that are going to try to pull us back from where we're going. There are people that, that are going to try to tear us down before we ever get to the top. Before we ever get to the mountaintop where God wants to take us, they're all along the way, God, there, there are going to be people who do not want that to happen. And again, I have no idea what that looks like for you. I have no idea what God is trying to do in your heart right now and where he's trying to take you. But what I do know is there will be people who try to criticize some even in an unfair way. And you see, Jesus dealt with some of this. In Matthew 26, he's standing before the Sanhedrin, which is the court system at the time. And these false accusers come to Jesus and they start trying to point out things that he did not say and did not actually do. Trying to find anything and everything that they can, they, they can possibly find about the way that he lived his life and the way he talked that could somehow get him arrested, crucified, and then finally killed. They're trying their, their, their best to do this. And a lot of what they're saying are insults. A lot of what they're saying is, is criticism in an unfair way. But what Jesus models for us here is what I believe God desires of us in these moments too. That Jesus does not hurl anything back. He keeps his mouth shut the entire time. And in preparation for this sermon, I was, I was so conflicted trying to figure out, does this mean something? Because I'm, I'm reading over this passage over and over and over again. I also used this passage to teach at Journey Camp a few weeks ago. And since then, I've been wrestling with it, feeling like God is trying to show me something here that I have not seen yet. And I think I may have found it. And here's what I came up with. Jesus does not have to say anything back. He doesn't hurl any insults back. Now, you might be saying, yes, that's because he's the son of God. And that would be true. But at the same time, what I'm seeing Jesus model is how secure he is because of whose he is. How secure he is in who he is because of whose he is. And I believe that the same is supposed to be true for us here today. That who I am is Bryce, middle school youth pastor, student at Columbia International University, you name it. The, the, the list could keep going. But whose I am takes priority in my life because whose I am is God's beloved child way before anything else I just mentioned. And the same is true for every single person in this room that whose you are can allow you to be secure in who you are. And I believe that's exactly what Jesus models, that these insults did not matter to him at the level that some of them matter to us in our daily, daily routines. When conflicts arise, when our insults from our, even our friends come towards us, maybe even in joking manner, we often are so quick to flip a switch and say something back. But what Jesus is modeling is God desires we not say something every time. And sometimes we, we have to receive what's being thrown at us, but then give back in a Christ-like 
loving way as God desires we do. You see, I believe firmly that God desires we focus on the voice above us and within us rather than the criticizing voices around us. Focus on the voices above us, within us, not the criticism around us. And the third way that we throw shade are are quick jabs of sarcasm. Now, honesty moment, this one is an absolutely huge struggle for me. It still is, honestly, in, in, in a lot of ways, and it has been growing up. I remember um, there, there was a few times when my brother and I, he's, he's five years younger than me, when my brother and I w- would be playing a soccer video game called FIFA, and uh, we'd be playing against each other, and he would shoot and miss, and then I would immediately say, oh, nice shot, in a sarcastic way. And then he would turn around, and he'd be like, Bryce, was that sarcasm? And I said, No. Another sarcastic comment. I mean, almost everything that came out of my mouth was in a sarcastic manner to my family, to my friends. It was was bad. But you see, we referred to sarcasm as quick jabs because while they're not super powerful in the moment, over time, something strong and eventually hurtful will be the result. The Greek word for sarcasm paints an interesting picture for us here. The word is sarcosmos. Sarcosmos, and here's what it means to literally tear flesh. Tear flesh. Now, the first image that popped into my head was, was a vulture going after some roadkill. So just think about that for a second. A vulture is going to land in the middle of a road, find the roadkill it's looking for, but it's not going to disintegrate it with like one tear or two tears. It's going to take the vulture a few good tears to its flesh to actually finish its job. But then once it's finished, it can leave and all that's really left is some dry bones. And I believe our sarcastic remarks have the exact same effect emotionally on the ones that we are saying them to. You see, often, if you're anything like me, you'll say something sarcastic thinking you're being funny. But the only one that it's fun for in a temporary way is the person saying that. Because I've also been on the receiving end. And I'm sure that everyone in this room has probably been on both ends before. And either way, it's either a temporary pleasure, but then the other side of that is just hurt. It's just hurtful. Maybe if it's not in the moment, but over time, it will prove to be very hurtful to the person that it's directed towards. See, Paul lays this, lays this out pretty clearly on how to avoid this. In Ephesians 4.29, you've probably heard this verse before. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This word unwholesome literally means rotten, worthless, and depraved. So what Paul's saying is do not let any rotten, worthless, depraved words come out of your mouth. My mom, she she often says to me, Something along the lines of, you're either helping or hurting someone with your words. There's there's not this giant middle ground that we can just camp out in every time we open our mouth. So if we're going to open our mouth, what Paul is, is telling us here, what God is telling us through Paul here, is if you're going to open your mouth, have something nice to say. If you're going to open your mouth, make sure it's helpful what's coming out. That the person listening, even when you don't know they're listening, is going to receive that as helpful. Well, I've got one more way of throwing shade for you. And this one is the knockout punch. Anger. 
You know, as, as we've been going through these this morning, we started with gossip, and I was kind of like, all right, this is an issue. We need to talk about it. Then we get to criticism, and I'm, and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I see this everywhere. This is definitely an issue we need to talk about. And we go to sarcasm, and, and knowing my history especially, I'm just looking at my own life, and I'm saying this is a huge struggle for me, and probably so many in this room. And now we're at anger, which I know that we have all mastered, and that nobody gets mad at all. But maybe there's one or two of us in this room, just maybe, that there's just like this switch that flips, that immediately you, you are just angry about something big or small, like just like that. And it, it, for me, even on multiple occasions, it just seems to happen over and over and over again. And the, the Bible talks a lot about anger, and James even talks about it in the beginning of his letter. He says in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, everyone, everyone, that means the perfect people and the not so perfect people. That means the ones who have it all together and the ones that act like they have it all together. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I want to, leave, uh, I want to read that last sentence for us one more time. Because the human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, there are two things I want to point out in this statement as we close our time together this morning. First is this phrase, human anger. Now, last year, as I mentioned, I, I did an internship with the church here all year long, 2018. And I was the young adults coordinator. And there was this one Monday in particular, I remember it like it was yesterday, that I was sitting in Trevor's office and I was writing Sunday school curriculum for our Sunday school class that week. And I, I came across this passage, again, I had read it multiple times at this point, but I was talking out loud to Trevor, asking him, Trevor, I'm very confused because when I read this passage, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, I keep getting the sense that maybe there's another type of anger. And Trevor said, yes, yes, in fact, there is. And he pointed me to the prophets. And all throughout the prophets, we see God sending people to his people, the Israelites, because he's angry with them. But he's not angry in a human type of way. He's angry because he knows that the only place their focus needs to be is him. He knows that if it's anywhere else, it's not going to amount to what he can give them. And he has every right to feel that way because of his level of righteousness. So what God shows is a righteous anger. And here in James, he, he, he mentions human anger, but then he immediately commands against it entirely because James knows what we're going to show as humans is human anger. But what God shows is his righteousness even through angry moments. Because what God did not do in the prophets was gossip about his people. God didn't unfairly criticize them. God was not sarcastic with them. He didn't throw this heavenly temper tantrum. Instead, he, he sent people, prophets, to his people to try to show them love even through his righteous anger. God is so righteous that he knows that what's best for us is to be in close communion, close relationship with him. And he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice of his son's life and death for a chance to get that back. A sacrifice that he made knowing that there would be thousands of people years later that would live their whole life and never once come to accept it never once come to recognize how much he actually loves them and actually want that relationship with him personally. And today we get the privilege to celebrate that same sacrifice 
by taking communion. You see, Jesus tells us in Scripture that if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that a brother or a sister has something against you or you have something against them, leave your gift right where it is. Go first and make right what's currently wrong with that brother or that sister. You see, Jesus is more concerned about where our heart is and where our relationships are with other people and he himself than he is about any, any gift that we could offer him. And this morning, as, as we take communion, maybe it's time to take off the gloves like we saw in that video and stop coming with anger, with criticism, with gossip, with sarcasm. Take off the gloves and open our hands to receive what, what God wants to give us, what he has for us as his children. Maybe today this altar is a place that you come to to not only remember the sacrifice Jesus paid for us, but maybe today this is also a place that, that you come to, to ask God, God, I'm, my hands are open, my gloves are off. Who in my life needs forgiveness from me for that thing they said or did so many years ago? Who in my life do I need to go to and ask for forgiveness from for that thing I said that thing I did so many years ago, or maybe even yesterday. Who in my life do I need to go make right what's currently wrong? What relationship in my life that's currently broken needs mending? Because God's the only one who can provide that. You know, the, the cross is, is a beautiful picture of how God desires we live in communion with people. You see, half the cross is vertical. That's our relationship with God, us and God. But then the other half of the cross is horizontal. That's us and others. So maybe today the relationship that needs mending is you and God. You say, God, I've, I've not been right with you. I've strayed so far away just like your people did in the Old Testament. And I want to get back. Or maybe today you're someone who comes to this altar and says, God, thank you for loving me. And because you love me, show me who needs that same love that I can be a vessel that, that you show that through. Or maybe for you, that's both. That God, I need to get right with you. And when I am right, when that relationship takes priority in my life, show me who I can love next. Show me who on this planet needs to receive your love that I have some sort of connection with. You see, sometimes we harm others with what comes out of our mouth, but other times we're on the receiving end of that same harm. And whatever the case is this morning for you personally, I would love for us all to, to take some time as we move into this time of communion and reflect on how far God's brought us out of that sin that we were captured by for so long. How much he loves us because of his son's sacrifice and because of all those things being true, how we can be spurred to action to love others around us. Well, I'd love to pray for us as we close. I'm going to invite Pastor Jeff up to help us administer communion. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray to our Heavenly Father. God, I'm so, so thankful for this morning. I'm thankful for, for this church and the global church as well. And God, I'm, I'm most thankful for your son, Jesus, who you sent for a purpose because you wanted to be in communion close communion with anyone and everyone that would be willing to do the same.
God, I pray for, for that person in here this morning that needs to get right with you, that you would provide that for them. Maybe they, they've never had a personal relationship with you, and maybe today is the day that they stop playing games, get on their knees, open their hands, take the gloves off, and recognize that, that they need you more than anything this world could offer them. God, I pray for that, that person in here who, who needs to get right with someone else in their life, maybe a family member, a friend, a coworker, whoever that person is, God, I, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would empower them and enable them to go to that person and make right what is currently wrong. God, we love you so much and we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory that you are worthy of alone as we move into this time of communion together and remember your son's sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.